Hey everybody, welcome back to the Matt Report. This is a special uh, gap season. This is in between season three and season four of the Matt Report. And I've invited a few guests to sort of take over the podcast and do Q&As, tell a little story, um, teach us how to do something. And my longtime friend, Carrie Dills, who has her own WordPress podcast over at Office Hours FM, uh, decided to jump in and teach us what it's like to create an online course, uh, whether you're teaching that teaching for a professional sort of uh, online course marketplace or you're creating your own uh, how-to tutorial series or private uh, lesson that you might sell. Carrie joins the airwaves today to tell us how she does it uh, at her approach over at lynda.com. And I'm very excited for you to share in the story and share in the practices of my good friend Carrie. So here's the special thing about Matt Report season four is it's going to get released Netflix style so you can binge on all of the episodes that you do enjoy uh, at your at your enjoyment, at your leisure. Over the holiday season, I know we all get sort of busy and keeping in uh, week to week might be a little bit difficult and sort of remembering to check in week to week and listen to your favorite episodes might be a bit of a challenge for some of us. Uh, so that's the sort of intent of this is you can go and pick and choose which episodes you want to listen to all or, or one or a handful over your holiday busy holiday season and then we'll be back to a regularly scheduled season in 2017 uh, with Matt Report Season 5. So I do hope you enjoy that. And one last bonus for Matt Report Season 4 is if you're on the mailing list, I'll email you access to private little file audio files from each interview where the guests go into sharing their favorite books, their favorite tactics, their favorite strategies and apps for running their business. Um, but that'll, that won't be available in the publicly consumable podcast. You'll get a special link uh, every week on where to download that or listen to that audio file. For Matt Report listeners, you can get that at mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list over there and you'll be sure to find out when season four releases. And then every week, that secret little audio file for the tidbits of information that our guests spent some extra time sharing with us. Really hope you enjoy it. I really hope you enjoy today's episode with Carrie Dills of officehours.fm. Let's get into the show. It is a pleasure to be here hosting the Matt Report today. Uh, Matt, thank you for letting me take over your show. Uh, so what I wanted to chat about uh, is making online courses, sort of the process, <clears throat> the process behind it, uh, it all the way from um, you know selecting your topic to uh, planning for it to doing the recording to doing the post-processing and then finally selling it. And to wrap a little bit of context around this, I am a course author for lynda.com, and I've also produced one other course, a self, self-produced course. Uh, so that's, that's the experience that I'm, that I'm coming from. And when it comes to online courses, there were, uh, you, you can do the one route, like the uh, Lynda, Treehouse, et cetera, where someone else is sort of facilitating the recording uh, and then there's other outfits like I believe Pluralsight. Oh, I might have just I might have just lied about Pluralsight, but anyway, it's where the videos, <clears throat> your courses are self-produced. So uh, I love Linda because all I do is record the course, and they get the hard work of actually doing the production work on it. But so let's start let's start at the beginning. At the beginning, 
of a Lynda course or of any online course, if you're thinking about uh, getting onto this, is picking your topic. Um, what is it that you want to teach? And, uh, you know, and do you think that it's a topic that people are interested in, in learning about? Because, uh, of course, you want, you want to match. You, you could teach something, but if nobody wants to learn about it, then uh, don't plan on making any money from that course. But the, so the, the, the first thing there is find a topic. And for Linda, the way that works is they, I mean, they've got this huge network uh, and they've got people who are scouring um, the world trying to find out what content people are wanting to learn about. Uh, so they've actually got a team of people that do that. Um, they've also got this huge library of uh, courses, and over time, a lot of those technical courses, you can imagine, get outdated. Uh, so I guess there are really three ways of coming up with a course uh, topic for Linda. One is it's a remake of one of those outdated courses. Uh, two, it's going to be... Um, uh, a, a course suggested uh, by the content team at Linda uh, that they believe would be a popular subject. Uh, or third, as an as a author, I have the ability to uh, suggest topics that I want to teach. Uh, and those may or may not be approved, um, but that's, that's sort of the way it starts. So once a topic is picked, that next step is to create uh, what's called a table of contents, where basically you just go through and outline what all your course, what all you want to cover in your course, uh, all the way from an, an introduction to, uh, I mean, it's like writing, you know, think back to high school English teacher. You've got your, uh, you've got your intro, you've got your three main content blocks and your supporting points, and then uh, your, your summary or your wrap up. <clears throat> So once you have your table of contents, uh, you've got your subject, you've got your table of contents, actually preparing the course, writing the course. Um, there's two, two kind of schools of thought uh, here, or not even schools of thought, it's, it, two ways of going about this. One is to uh, just kind of map out your bullet points. If you're really, really good at talking off the cuff, uh, then that's a great way to go. It's, it's frankly quicker uh, than scripting the whole thing. Uh, and I have to script the whole thing because I'm not very good off the cuff, as you might have noticed with this uh, recording already. So what I do is I, I take that table of contents and then I write out literally everything that I want to say. Uh, and the writing of it is interesting because, of course, written word is different than spoken word. So when I'm writing, uh, I know that eventually I'm going to be speaking these words. So I try to write with that in mind to keep it a casual and conversational tone uh, in what I'm writing. And the writing, frankly, is the bulk. That is where the bulk of the work comes in for planning the course. Uh, and I've got to say, one of the, the, the best ways to make sure you really understand a topic Oh gosh, it's try it, like teach it, uh, because once you go through and start thinking, okay, like step one, let me let me assume that my uh, student knows nothing about what I'm trying to teach, and walking through step by step by step, 
So think about whatever it is that you do day after day after day. Maybe it's writing code, maybe it's designing things, maybe it's sales calls, whatever it is, you're so used to doing it that it's just automatic. I like think to brushing your teeth. You don't think consciously, I'm going to pull out my toothbrush. I'm going to squeeze some toothpaste from the tube, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to brush all four quadrants for 30 seconds a piece. Uh, you don't think that way. Uh, it's just, it just happens automatically. But when you're teaching, you have to assume that the student doesn't know that first you pull out the toothbrush and then you put the toothpaste on. Um, so writing a course really helps solidify, uh, knowledge, um, that maybe you'd forgotten, <laughs> forgotten you had, uh, just because things are, uh, are just sort of rote. But Anyhow, so there's, there's the writing component. <clears throat> Along with that, now here's where it, it, you've got to decide, is your course going to be audio only? Is it going to be audio and video? Is it going to be audio plus a slide deck presentation? Uh, how are you going to be presenting this information? In the, uh, for, for my Linda courses, there are audio and uh, screen, what do you call it? I guess a screencast. Um, so it's, it's, you're not seeing my face, it's just my voice. Uh, and then you're seeing my computer screen and me going around clicking things or, or writing code or whatever. Um, and then interspersed with that are slides. So depending on your topic, it's gonna lend itself better to one medium or another. For instance, if you're teaching code, uh, you know, live video of, of you just talking about code is probably not very effective, but you talking while you've got your code editor open uh, could be very effective. If you're trying to teach concepts, uh, that's where slides can come in really handy. Um, if you're trying to teach more, uh, think like business skills or something some, something of that nature, maybe be more helpful uh, to do video where you know they can see your face, they can see um, how you're presenting yourself, say if you're practicing uh, inter interview skills or something like that. So that's kind of the idea uh, of how you get around to actually recording your course. Uh, and keep in mind the degree of complexity in post-processing you want to think through how you're going to record the course before you ever actually do the, rec do the recording because your post-processing, uh, you can end up chewing up a lot of time if you don't plan well going into it. Uh, so for instance, if you're doing a course where you're recording a screencast, uh, then you're recording, you know, whatever's on your monitor and your voice input. Uh, and then you're, you know, maybe flipping back and forth between a slide deck during that video. Well, then you know automatically that in your post-processing, you're going to have to go and, uh, you know, make that transition between your screen and the slide deck smooth. Uh, and really, the level of, what I mean post-processing is taking whatever the raw audio video is and polishing it up to make what's gonna be your final product. Um, and you can go all the way from zero post-processing 
uh, like for my podcast, because it's uh, a live show, I don't go back and do any editing other than just tacking on uh, my intro before I upload it to iTunes. And so that's, that's like the, the easiest, lowest uh, barrier to entry. But also it sounds rough, right? I mean, I, I haven't gone and taken out the ums or the throat clearings or, uh, you know, the gaffes, whatever. They're, they're just in there in all of their glory. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got lynda.com, who, I mean, these are highly produced, highly professional videos. I'm not doing that work because that is not in my skill set, but they've got a large uh, production team that, uh, it's incredible. The, I mean, it's, it's Hollywood level quality in terms of uh, their recording equipment, uh, the way that they're, um, you know, going through and doing all the original audio inputs. Cause right. Your, your final product can only be as good as the original input. So if you're recording this on your headphone mic, then, well, you know, that's, you're, you can't really, you can only help something along so far if it was uh, bad input to begin with. But anyways, so these, uh, fantastic equipment, state of the art recording facilities, uh, out in Carpentria, California. And, uh, and then, of course, post-processing the, out the wazoo. So from, let's see, from the time I record a course until it actually becomes available on lynda.com, there's usually about a six to eight-week period in there. And during that, there's, they're going through, they're doing, uh, they're cleaning up all the audio, they're removing all of my millions of throat clears and a hums, <clears throat> Like I just did. By the way, when you mess up, because you're going to mess up, when you, when you stumble over your words or you don't get something quite right, uh, you say rephrase. Or that's, the, that's what we do with lynda.com at any rate. So you're going along, you mess something up, you think, ooh, I could have said that better, and you say rephrase. And what that does, you could pick any word. It doesn't necessarily have to be rephrase. But when an audio technician goes back and looks at all those little audio squiggly lines coming out. If you know that my voice pattern or your voice pattern, whatever, looks a certain way whenever I say the word rephrase, then it becomes easy to kind of uh, visually mark that on the, see, I don't even know the term for the, the audio, the, squig the squiggly lines. I'm just going to call them the squiggly lines. Um, if you've ever seen, uh, you know, movies where they're filming on Hollywood sets and they've got the, um, the big clipboard thingy and say, take one. Well, I learned that that thing, which I don't know what exactly it's called, uh, but the purpose of that click of the snapping of that board is the exact same thing that I'm doing with rephrase. Uh, it makes it easier to go back and edit the audio after the fact. <clears throat> so anyways, that was kind of a, a, a random digression. But, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be recording audio for a course that you're planning to sell, uh, then you need to make some decisions up front about what, what final quality is this going to be? Uh, and, and of course your pricing structure 
uh, will follow along with that. If it's if it looks like you recorded it uh, rolling down the freeway in your car with your uh, you know with your earbud microphone, then you know people probably aren't going to pay millions of dollars for that. Uh, people really aren't probably going to pay millions of dollars for any course that I could ever produce, but. Uh, but you get my point. If you, the more time and effort that you put into post-processing, really just the process in general, um, the higher quality end product you get, and therefore the higher price tag you can put on it. But that said, if audio-visual editing is not your skill set, you can waste so many hours. You can waste so many hours trying to get things right. Uh, I really suggest that you just outsource that. Hire somebody whose skill set is in uh, AV editing and let the, just kind of give them the instruction of what you want them to do and, uh, and hire someone who's good at that to do that. that is, trust me, that is money well spent. So going back a little bit to the, the process of recording out at Linda, uh, I fly out to their recording facility in Carpentria, California, just beautiful, beautiful Southern California. Uh, and the irony of all of that beauty is that I get to sit in a recording booth all week. Um, so literally a little seven by seven uh, foam padded booth that I sit in and do my recordings. And this is where I'm doing the screencast and my voice. Uh, and the, the handful of instances where my face is actually showing, um, I go to something called a live action stage. And that's where they've got the full setup with the, you know, the green screen, the lights, the cameras. Uh, I mean, the, the pr production of this all is always astounding to me. Uh, and I'm, I'll read my course intro for instance, off of a teleprompter, uh, and I'm, I'm reading that while there's bright lights on me and five set of eyeballs are, are staring at me. It's nerve-wracking. Oh, and before I get to that, they have somebody come in and do my hair and makeup. Uh, I, cannot, <laughs> I cannot be trusted to do my own hair and makeup. Uh, that's not entirely true. Well, actually, no, that's absolutely true. Uh, but they do that for, for everybody. Um, so that's the, the sort of live action component. And the majority of my time though is spent in that little recording booth, uh, and just doing raw footage. So for instance, a, uh, and I'm usually out there for a week at a time, uh, seven, six or seven days for, let's say we have a course that is maybe an hour and a half. No, okay. Let's say we've got a course that's two and a half hours long. I could conceivably be in that booth 10 hours a day recording and coming up with, uh, let's see, three, I might have 20 hours of raw audio video that eventually, once it's cleaned up, becomes that three hours. It's crazy, right? Or two and a half hours, whatever I said. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a, 
I'm terrible. Now, some people, they just go in there and they talk and they don't make mistakes. And I'm sure that if they record four hours of audio, that it, it cleans up to three hours and 48 minutes of, of actual audio. Not the case for me. They got to do a lot of whacking because, uh, I'm, you know, I'm me and, and talking. Yeah. I just make mistakes. So that's sort of the booth time. Um, and then I have a content producer that I'm, I'm working with while I'm out there who's, uh, they're sitting on the other side of the recording booth with their headphones on. They're listening to me as I teach. Um, and it's great, it's great feedback. Uh, now these are all the content producers that I'm working with are all, uh, incredibly smart people, but their subject matter is not WordPress. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with what I'm teaching. So they're actually, they're great people to sit on the other side of, uh, of that booth and listen and see if what I'm teaching makes sense. Uh, cause like I said earlier, like you forget, you leave out steps, like putting the toothpaste on, uh, because you're so used to doing things. So having that other set of, uh, eyes and ears while you're doing the teaching is really helpful to make sure that you covered the content or your subject comprehensively. Uh, if you're, of course, you're probably, if you're recording at home, uh, you might not have somebody that's sitting there listening to your every, every move, but uh, it would be helpful to have them listen to, have someone listen to uh, that, that, that's not an expert in your topic, have them listen to the course or watch the course and go through sort of a beta, make sure that it makes sense, make sure that you've covered the topic in a way that someone without previous knowledge can understand. And I'm not saying that you can't have prerequisites, right? Like when I'm teaching a WordPress course, I'll even say at the beginning, I'm gonna assume that you have some, uh, you know what HTML and CSS is. I'm gonna assume uh, that you have some base level familiarity with PHP. I'm going to assume that you know what a code editor is. Um, really, so you can you can say up front if there's knowledge needed coming into your course, and I highly recommend doing that because that lets people know right up front whether or not the course is for them or whether or not they need to uh, beef up some uh, some other skills before they can really come in and, and be successful understanding your course. Uh, and, and of course not all, uh, there's tons of stuff that's not so many topics you could teach on that aren't technical. I mean, you could be teaching on, uh, you know, how to do an effective email campaign or, uh, how to be a better blogger or, I mean, my goodness, the, there's the topics, uh, only end with your imagination, <clears throat> but let people know upfront what it is that your, uh, what your goal is to teach them. So what they should, the knowledge that they should expect to walk away with at the end of your course. Uh, and later on, when it comes to marketing your course, that's helpful, right? You want to be able to make people a promise when you listen to this or when you watch it, when you take this course, here's the knowledge that you're going to walk away with. Here's the action, uh, action items that you'll be ready to do, uh, once, once you watch this or take this course. Uh, let's see what else, 
What else have I not covered too much? Um, just as a, as a random question to share more about my Linda experience, um, they do, they do some course promotion, right? Like whenever a course is first released, it might be on their front page or, uh, you know, might get a little special attention or more attention. Uh, but their library is massive. It's so huge. I don't even know how many courses they have, but it's, it's a whole lot. Uh, so there's not really any expectation that they're going to be promoting my course. That really is up to me. Uh, and to date, I don't look at my website right now because I do a terrible job at that. But um, just know that wherever, whatever medium you use to publish your course, uh, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's with a, uh, a plural site or Envato Marketplace, wherever you choose to sell, you're going to be the one having to promote it. Uh, and if you're like me, marketing maybe does not come very naturally. Uh, that's something that I've had to spend a lot of time learning. And, uh, and Matt, I know Matt talks a lot about um marketing products, marketing services on this show. So uh, go check some of his episodes because he's got some good, some good information there. Uh, but just know ahead of time that you're going to be, you're going to be doing that. Um, so, so let's, let's recap where we've been when it comes to creating a course. One of the first things you've got to do is select your topic. And then once you've selected your topic, you need to uh, select or think through what format you're going to deliver your teaching in. Is it going to be audio? Is it going to be audio video? Is it going to be uh, slide deck, screen share, etc.? Whatever it is, uh, know that up front. And then from there, write out your table of contents, understand exactly everything that you want to cover in the course. And then when it comes to writing the course, uh, experiment, experiment a little bit, depending on how you, how your presentation skills, uh, you might be able to just to take a handful of bullet points and boom, 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 uh, knock it out and, and teach effectively that way. Um, I recommend trying that first simply because it's so much less time consuming than, uh, fully scripting what it is that you want to say. Uh, if you're not great off the cuff or think, oh, maybe I might miss a point if I, if I don't script, uh, then try scripting it and tell you what, and when you're, when you're scripting, read it out loud. So say you write, uh, three, four paragraphs, go ahead and read that out loud and make sure that it sounds conversational. Do that before you ever hit the record button. Um, so then you get to the part where you're actually doing your recording and remember that you can put in uh, little audio cues like uh, the word rephrase or a click or a hand clap, uh, whatever it is to, to leave a little bit of a, an audio marker that you can come back or your editor can come back to later to help with the editing process. Uh, once you're done recording, then you're handing it off to an editor uh, or somebody who can do that post-processing for you, clean it up, uh, then once it's cleaned up, you've got your audio file or your video files, whatever, you've got the files that you're going to sell. Uh, and 
from there, it's, you know, it's choosing uh, where, where you, if you want to sell it off your website, if you want to sell it in a marketplace, and then you market it and sell the hell out of it. Hopefully, hopefully, right? So that's it. That's a little bit of my experience in teaching, creating online courses. Uh, I hope that that's been helpful if you are thinking about maybe going through that process. Um, if you have any questions, I, I hang out on Twitter a lot at CDills, just one L in the Dills, and, uh, and I would love to chat. Thanks again, Matt, for having me on.